a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. This morning, um, I've been given free reign as to um, what I'm going to be talking to you about. Now, you can see that as a good or a bad thing. Um, But I wanted to share with you one topic that I'm really interested in, um, and that's what I'm going to call God's Big Picture. Now, if you're taking notes, I'd be happy with that as a title. But um, why don't we pray quickly, um, and then we'll hopefully find out what I'm on about. Yeah, Father God, Lord, I thank you uh, that you are God eternal, Lord, that you reign over all and that your name is above all names, Lord God, that your power is above all powers. Yes, Lord, we really pray for you to uh, speak to us this morning. Uh, In your name we pray. Amen. Now, uh, one of the things um, I love seeing and reading about in the Old Testament is uh, prophecies of the Messiah coming. Um, That is the one who's going to be the saviour of all people. Uh, You know, these were written hundreds of years uh, before Jesus was born. Uh, This morning I I wanted to look at uh, three different prophecies, each that focus on a slightly different um, aspect of Jesus' life, um, which each tell us something uh, different about God's plan and what that means for us. Now, the first prophecy I wanted to look at was one about Jesus' birth uh, for where he was going to be born. Uh, The original prophecy is in uh, Micah chapter 5. It's Micah chapter 5, verse 2. But you, Bethlehem Ephrata, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, for whose origins are from old, from ancient times. So we can um, see from this verse in Micah that the ruler of Israel is going to be born in Bethlehem. You you know the story, don't you? Um, This was recorded in Luke. Oh, it's getting me all Christmassy just thinking about it, actually. (laughs) Uh, This was uh, recorded in Luke um, when Mary and Joseph went to Bethlehem where Jesus was born. So this is Luke chapter 2. I'm going to be jumping around a bit, so uh, (laughs) you're going to have to have quick quick fingers this morning. Luke chapter 2, verses 4. So Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth to Galilee in Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. You all know the Christmas story. It's a great story. It's all going to be coming to us very soon in the quad venue near you. (laughs) Now, one of the things that I uh, really love about this prophecy, about where Jesus was going to be born, is that Mary and Joseph would have had um, no idea that she was going to give birth in Bethlehem. In fact, they'd set themselves up to give birth in Nazareth, where they lived. But because of the census that was ordered, they found themselves forced down this road to Bethlehem. Now, I've Google mapped Nazareth and Bethlehem and even got driving directions from one to the other. It's about 150 kilometres, and if you take Highway 6 in the car, it takes about two hours. Now, (laughs) I assume I don't need to tell you that uh, they wouldn't have taken Highway 6, and it probably would have been a significantly longer journey um, on a donkey and with a heavily pregnant woman. This was a big journey that even Mary and Joseph, who who were deeply in the situation, um, wouldn't have predicted would happen. But it was part of God's plan for Jesus to be born in Bethlehem for a whole host of reasons. There are some uh, really great things here. Firstly, 
Isn't it pretty amazing that God used Caesar Augustus, who was the Roman ruler at the time, in part of his plan for the birth of Jesus? You know, even though his motives may have been anything from flattering his own pride, seeing how big his empire was, or just, you know, enforcing the power of his government, um, God used his actions for God's purpose and for God's plans. You know, God is in control, even if the people making the decisions aren't always wanting uh, God's plans. God is sovereign over all and can use them for his kingdom. The other uh, great thing in this story is that uh, Mary probably you know, had grand plans to give birth in Nazareth. She probably got it all sorted, got the midwives in, uh, in the right places and got everything um, and all the help in hand in, um, in Nazareth. Can you imagine what she would have thought when she realised that because of the census, they had to leave all that behind, get on the back of a donkey, travel down Highway 6, and uh, travel that huge distance to somewhere. Now, mums, I'm sure you'll understand where I'm coming from here. Imagine last minute, pack up, head down the M1. You wouldn't be happy. (laughs) You know, sometimes the plans we make ourselves don't tie in with God's. You know, situations might turn out differently to how we planned. And before you know it, you're heading down a really different road to what you'd planned. There's normally a variety of ways we'd react in these situations. One is to uh, ignore what's happening and, and go the other way. But, you know, that didn't work out too well for our friend Jonah, did it? Getting eaten by a giant fish probably wasn't part of his plans. But um, the other is to, uh, to be obedient, like Mary and Joseph, and walk in line with God, what God has for them at the time. You know, when we know we're walking in God's plan for us, not only do other things and blessings flow from there, but it strengthens our relationship with him as well. If we make the time and are actively seeking what God's plans for us are, not only might there be less surprises along the way, but we can be obedient and prepare for any new seasons for us. Mary might have packed a travel bag, for example. I had an amusing Jonah-esque picture in my mind of the donkey eating Mary and Joseph to make sure they got uh, to Bethlehem in case they decided to stay in Nazareth. So that's very strange. So let's move on from that quite quickly. (laughs) The next prophecy I wanted to look at um, was part of Jesus' ministry, a story from Easter. Um, I know you'll all be familiar with. I did say I was going to be jumping around quite a bit. Um, But that's one of Jesus' triumphant entry Uh, to Jerusalem. The Old Testament prophecy is in Zechariah chapter 9, uh, verse 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, the colt, the foal of a donkey. That donkey's making an appearance again, isn't it? <laughs> I bet if someone asks you later, oh, what was the preach on Sunday on? You'll say, oh, something to do with the donkey, probably. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> the fulfillment of that prophecy uh, was in Mark chapter 11, uh, verse 7. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. It's a really great picture of celebration and joy as Jesus um, entered Jerusalem here. It's great seeing that prophecy fulfilled, seeing God's plan in action. 
But one of the things I really like about this story, and I know I've mentioned um, a similar theme before, is that Jesus actively used the disciples in his plans for the kingdom of God. A few verses earlier in the passage in Mark, we read about Jesus telling some of his disciples where they could find the donkey and how to get them, how to get it. He tells them in verse 2, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you doing this? Tell them, the Lord needs it, and we'll send it back here shortly. In my mind, Jesus could have just as easily got the donkey to untie itself and uh, come find him. But we see the disciples being involved, being part of God's plan, and the same is true for us today. We are the key part of God's plan to share the gospel and reach the nations. Because he loves us so much, he wants us to be involved in making his plans happen. Isn't that that really exciting? You know, just like how Jesus spoke to the disciples, he gave them direction and what to say, just as God is speaking to us today. Now, I know it's really easy to say, God is speaking, make sure you act on it. In in practice, that feels much more like a, a, a daunting task. It's something that I'm really wanting to grow in myself. I want more confidence in knowing when God is speaking to me and what it means to find out what his plans for me are. So don't have any grand illusions that I've got it sussed. For me, stepping out in faith in the little things are helping me grow my faith and relationship with God. It gives me more confidence you know, in, in the bigger things. You know, any, anything from sharing a picture I feel God has given me or, or praying out on a Sunday, you know, stepping out in faith in, in some of the littler things has for me been a great way to find out more about how God speaks to me and learning more about our relationship. Wouldn't it be great if, like the disciples in, in verse 6, where they answer just as Jesus had told them to, we were confident enough to do the same thing in our lives, knowing what God was saying to us in the different situations we were in. Do you know what I mean? Being confident enough to act on or step out in the plans that we know, that we are confident in, that he has for us. I know it's something I want to grow more for myself. I really want to emphasize that this morning. Being confident and being uh, confident in those plans that he has for us and making steps, small steps in the little things. It's not that suddenly we will uh, be making, going from cold to making big decisions about packing up and leaving, but making small steps in learning ourselves as to how to listen to God really make a, a difference in our relationship with him and finding out more about his plan for us and the kingdom of God. The last um, Old Testament passage I wanted to look at isn't a direct prophecy as such that we see in Isaiah um, or the others I've mentioned today. Psalm 22 is a lament and a song from David that Jesus cried out on the cross. As I read through this passage now, just keep in in the back of your minds the story of Jesus on on the cross. This is uh, Psalm 22, verse 1. My God, my God, Why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, and I am not silent. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the praise of Israel. In you our fathers put their trust. They trusted, and you delivered them. They cried to you and were saved. In you they trusted and were not disappointed. 
But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by men and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. From birth I was cast upon you. From my mother's womb you have been my God. Do not be far, do not be far from me. For trouble is near, and there is no one to help. Many bulls surround me. Strong bulls of Bashan encircle me. Roaring lions tearing their prey open their mouths wide against me. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It has melted away within me. My strength is dried up like a potsherd. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs have surrounded me. A band of evil men has encircled me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. But you, O Lord, be not far off. O my strength, come quickly to help me. It's a really, really powerful psalm, isn't it? You know, David didn't know it at the time, but the song he was singing, he was writing for Jesus. David was you know, often in trouble and had lots of enemies. But some of the details he mentions never happened to him. So we look to the exact fulfillment that Jesus' death on the cross brought to this psalm. You know, Jesus cries out in verse 1 on the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In verse 6 we read, He was scorned by men and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. How quickly that became true for Jesus, from the triumphant entry in Jerusalem we were reading about earlier, to the crowd later shouting abuse at him. Verse 8, he trusts in the Lord, let the Lord rescue him, let him deliver him since he delights in him. A band of evil men has encircled me, they have pierced my hands and feet, they divide my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. Isn't it amazing, looking through this psalm, the references for Jesus on the cross? You know, David would probably have never known what this song, his prayer, that his cry out to God, what that would be used for. That he had written a psalm for the Messiah on the cross to fulfill part of God's plan. Our prayers, our contributions can be used by God in his plan, not just for our lives, but in the lives of others too. David's prayer was used by Jesus as part of God's plan. Our prayers can bless others and help them in learning more about God's plans for them. You know, when we're praying with people, uh, praying with people generally or on a Sunday, you know, pictures or words that God can give us at the time can help affirm in knowing what God is saying to them, you know, what plans he has for them. As I mentioned earlier, not only will us stepping out in the smaller situations help us learn more about God speaking to us ourselves, But what we share with other people when we do step out can in turn encourage them in their situation and in their circumstance. Thinking back to Mary and Joseph as they were uh, travelling to Bethlehem and even Jesus dying on the cross, you know, it would have been really easy for people in that situation to look at it and think, you know, everything was going wrong. You know, where's God? God's abandoned them and that it was all going rather pear-shaped. But... For us in those situations, even looking into them, we can't always see God's big picture. 
We know the disciples looked at Jesus dying on the cross, thinking that it was all over. But God's big picture had it all in hand, that Jesus would rise to glory and save us all. Looking at all these uh, different prophecies, the, the thing that stands out for me the most is that God is in control. He's been in control since before the beginning of time. He knew the cost it would be, the sacrifice he would have to make with Jesus dying on the cross long before he created the world. You know, God's plans haven't changed you know, in 2,000 years before Jesus was born or 2,000 years since he was born. The prophecies we've read about um, and heard about today and a couple of other hundreds, I mean, there are hundreds of other prophecies of Jesus in the Old Testament. They weren't random predictions about the future. They were promises and revelations from God. You know, these revelations about God's plan that he gave, um, he gave to people were bigger than just their lives. But it was part of God's plan for the nations. That he has saved us from our sins and we will be with him forever. We are all part of God's plan and he has a plan for each one of us. You probably all know uh, the verse in Jeremiah 29 that says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come to me and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Are we looking out for our own plans? Or are we seeking what God has for us? It's not necessarily true that God's plans are so totally different uh, to, to our own. But we know that God's plans for us will always be good. Good for us and good for the kingdom of God. I really want to encourage you, as, as much as I want to encourage myself, into seeking God's plans for us, you know, when we pray. As I mentioned earlier, God's plan involves each one of us. Let's make sure we're a part of it. What I'd love to do now is just uh, spend some time worshipping um, in a bit. If um, Caroline and the, and the band want to come back up, um, there are just a few points I wanted to, um, to conclude on. The first one is, let's make sure we're seeking God in finding his plans for us. You know, while we're worshipping in a bit, um, let's spend some time ourselves in seeking God's heart and his plans for us. Um, John's tongue earlier, um, part of the interpretation said, earnestly, I seek you. Uh, that re- really spoke to me. He said, he brings hope, joy and peace. You know, the, the more we seek, uh, the, more we, uh, uh, the more revelation we'll have about him and, and, and his plan for our lives. Do you know what I mean? Secondly, let's not feel like God's plan for us are only on a, on a large scale. Um, he cares for us and has plans and opportunities for us in, in all walks of life, no matter how small they, they might seem. Um, let's be praying that we can walk in his plan for us, you know, in the, in the small things as much as the big decisions. The last thing I just wanted to uh, pick up on, if you're feeling like Mary could have done as she was traveling to Bethlehem, where you you can't see God's plan uh, leading uh, to anything or that you feel that there's no way out of your situation, you know, we'd love to pray with you or just come to God as we worship. Let's put our trust in him 
who has far greater eternal perspective and love for us. Give your situation to him and give control and put your trust in him and his plans. Why don't we um, stand together? I'm just going to pray quickly and then um, Caroline, if you could lead us in a song, that would be great. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Lord God, I thank you uh, for that truth, Lord God. Lord, I thank you uh, that you are with us now, Lord God, that you reign and that you live in us, Lord God. Father, I thank you that you are uh, not just uh, the God of the big things, but Lord God, you uh, care for us and that you walk with us in all aspects of our lives. And Lord God, we come to you this morning. Father, we say, uh, would you reveal more of yourself to us this morning, Lord God? Would you reveal more of the kingdom of heaven to us this morning, Father God? Lord, we want to seek you this morning. We want to learn more about what it is to be a a disciple of yours, Lord God, to to listen and to have confidence in the daily uh, lives that we live for you, Father. Yes, Lord, I really pray uh, that you would come now, Father. Would your spirit fall upon this place? Yes, Spirit, would you come? Would you, would you reveal yourself to us anew? Would you reveal yourself afresh, Father God? Earnestly, I seek you. He brings hope, joy and peace. Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk or come along on any Sunday.